Trigger alert. We're going to talk about practicing the womanly art of raising someone else's kids while simultaneously grieving a painful loss. I'm talking about the loss of a piece of your identity, being a mother. This is some high-level personal growth shit we're going to talk about today. Welcome to Season 2 of the Essential Stepmom Podcast. I'm Tracy, and I'll be your guide for this unconventional look at what I call the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. Why do I favor an unconventional approach to being a stepmom? It's probably because I'm something of an outlier in everything I do, but mostly it's because there's a scary statistic looming over every one of our homes, like the mythical Sword of Damocles, showing that nearly three quarters of step families don't last more than five years. What that tells me is that the conventional wisdom, the general consensus, the status quo, are all things that are leading stepmoms in obedient herds straight for the gutter. If you want to buck the trend and stay in the game, you need to think differently. In this podcast, we look outside the box for better answers, for counterintuitive strategies to help us fight the instincts that don't serve us well and to grow a new parenting reflex that really supports us and everyone else on this crazy journey with us. Welcome to the new normal. My guest on this episode is Sonia Richter, an artist and stepmom from New Zealand. I met Sonia online through my blog and Facebook group at a time when she was experiencing a real crisis. Her biological clock was just screaming at her, having been pretty quiet during the 10 years or so that she'd been with her partner. She was feeling desperate, resentful, confused. She loved being a stepmom to her partner's two boys, and she always thought that would be enough mothering for her, until it just wasn't. That's her story, but I know it's not the same for everyone. If it's true that all stepmoms have their own unique set of problems, then it's also true of childless stepmoms. Some are already past the age of having kids when they marry a single dad. Some have made a clear decision not to have children before they even meet their partner. Some have tried for a while, or even for a long while, and decide that it doesn't matter so much in the end. And for some, it's a pain that never goes away. And all the insecurity that comes with being a stepmom, it gets amplified like up to 11 when you're faced on a regular basis with the living proof that your partner was able to make a child with someone else. I believe it must be exquisitely painful having to relate in a motherly way to a walking advertisement for the fertility of a woman you might prefer to delete from your world. And how can you bond with a child who symbolizes so much anguish for you? How can you not project your disappointment onto them? This kind of pain makes all the other stepmom problems pale by comparison. And because of that, it's the very thing that's going to slingshot you up the personal growth ladder if you let it happen. I'm going to let Sonia describe her journey out of the darkest time of her life. And spoiler alert, don't expect any tears here today. 
There's a lot of joyous energy coming from this woman. And hers is a story with the best kind of happy ending. Sonia, thank you very much for doing this for us. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. It's wonderful to be chatting to you, Tracy. Uh, this is not an easy topic. And we're addressing this today because of the specific request of someone who was listening and asked if I could um, speak to the issue of the childless stepmom. And uh, I know that there are lots of uh, lots of women who are stepmoms in our the Facebook group that we're both participants in who are um, actively trying to conceive and some who I have ferreted out by asking questions you know who are uh, happy and satisfied in their life not to have any kids of their own. And, and then there are some who are, you know, right at a critical moment of uh, either of reaching an age where it's not possible or having, you know, tried a number of times when it doesn't work or, you know, for, for whatever reason, knowing that it's not going to be a possibility for them. And to be this the stepmother, the loving stepmother of someone else's children and not to have your own is a kind of pain that uh, other people don't understand. So tell, tell us a little bit about your journey. <laughs> yeah, well, I, so I got the kids when they were four and nine mm -hmm. and we did 50-50 and so I just launched straight into like, it's, you know, they were really open to me. We just was pretend, like pretty much just launched in as their other mother and we had them half the time and I showered them with love and just launched into bringing them up as if they were my kids and, but with respect to their mum and, and just all the different kind of scenarios that that starts. And then, but it wasn't, there's just things that over the years that just would always make me realise that they weren't my own and like just, you know, we'd just be walking catching up with friends and people would always directly look at Mark and say, how are the kids? And they wouldn't look at me or just like tiny things like that or on, you know, the whole Mother's Day thing. And there were just all these things that just kept shutting me down and making me really aware that they weren't mine. And it took about, oh, I think we've been together like 10 and a half years um, before I just, yeah, I just had this massive kind of awakening and realizing that what I'd given up to bring up another piece of the person's children. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, I just realized what that meant and the magnitude of what that meant. Um, yeah, and so I'm, I'm an artist and so I've been collecting all of these. I work with clothing and vintage clothing and so I've been collecting all of these vintage christening gowns and petticoats for this big project I was doing about being of New Zealand. And yeah, Mark had, well, my husband had gone away for 10 days to, or 12 days to give me some time to paint. So, and then, yeah, and so I walked into my studio and then I just looked at everything, unpacked all these bags and everything that had been arriving from eBay and all over the world for this project. And there was just like christening gowns everywhere. And it just, <laughs> like, it just, it was like this total slap in the face. And I just erupted in tears and sat on the corner of my studio and just cried. And I didn't know that this was in there. I didn't, it just was like a total eruption of emotion. It was so intense. <laughs> and then, um, I've always used painting to channel a lot of my feelings and everything. And so then I, I just had these two massive boards and I put them up and I just started 
painting using the christening gowns and made these stories about for, um, for all those whom have lost and yeah and so they turned into these two really big artworks and they just I think I finished well I don't know if I've actually finished them but I worked on them for about three or four days straight and just poured everything into them and would like alternate between like crying and painting and dancing oh, wow. and crying and yeah and so then when I, I pulled back and kind of looked at them and it was just they were really really intense there was so much emotion in them and um yeah and like by the time my husband came back and then he heard about what I've been going through yeah we just started having a lot of big discussions about it and realizing yeah it was hard because at that time I felt really resentful to him and I hadn't owned any of my decisions that got me to this place and so I was like so deep in the whole blaming 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 and being resentful yeah. that I couldn't, I couldn't own my own decisions and own it for myself and um so I'd been yeah I we had this huge big discussion one night and then it just it, a lot of the way of feeling was really consolidated in my head and so after Mike went to bed I just it was like two in the morning and I would been talking all night and I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote this blog post pretty much about what I was going through and then yeah, I think a little bit of respect to Brene Brown, the power of vulnerability. I sent it out to everyone on my mailing list. Yeah, <laughs> wow. The most raw thing I've ever written or ever experienced. <laughs> That's vulnerability with a capital V. <laughs> when you're pressing it out on the MailChimp, it's like a little bomb thing, trigger. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, anyway, I press go. <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, so that's when my, um, yeah, that's where the healing started after that. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, so that was really um, amazingly powerful. I just started getting all these incredible emails back from, you know, I don't know how many people on mailing list, but just from people I'd met overseas through my art or and my friends and family here, and no one had really known all this was going on, and I just, like, threw this out to everyone. But the messages I got back, like, from strangers about their losses and their experiences about having, you know, lost a baby and then lost their husband and... 20 years later no one knows their story and they carry this pain with them and everyone just treats them like this you know amazing single person and um you know stories of adoption and just so many just poured back to me and it just made me realize how how much ache and loss there is around not having children um absolutely but, yeah but it also seemed to open eyes of quite a few people who hadn't ever acknowledged what it's like to pour all your love into children that are not your own yeah. and it's different for if you adopt children because if you adopt children you know they it's just you adopting them or you and your partner adopting them but I chose these children with with my husband and you know and so they still belong to the bio mum and the bio dad the most and so it's a really really different journey. Absolutely. I'm curious to know whether you feel that your relationship to your stepkids changed in any way through um, all of this? Yeah, it, it did at that point because I had been pulling back so much because I was just hurting so much. And then I didn't know, I didn't know how to almost like show my love to them because sometimes you just go, you want to just like wrap them up and say, it's how much you love you, but then you don't want to feel like you're competing with the mom and, yeah. and making them feel like they've got extra emotion, you know, like, that they're free to love two people as well. And yeah, and so you get caught up in a lot of those things that just go on in your head. And But while I was healing, I definitely pulled back a lot because I didn't know what I was going to do. I had to, I was 44, yeah, just turned 45 just after I wrote the blog post. And so I really hate to like analyze whether I wanted to have a child or not because it was my last opportunity pretty much. And so 
I would come into my studio and I'd just write and write and write and write up all these different scenarios of like, you know, whether I ask my gay best friend whether he wants to have a baby with me. <laughs> and so I'd like get, a, get in that situation in my head for three days and, and just pretend that was my life or all, all sorts of other scenarios of how I might possibly have a child. And, and then, yeah, but so much always at the end of it, keep coming back to go, if I choose this path, then I'm going to have to give up my painting again. And so I'd already like put my painting on hold for so long. And so at the end of the day, my painting was always, it always come out on top, but I was still, so like, yeah, deep in my heart, I knew that was my decision, but I didn't know that, well, I hadn't experienced the actual healing yet. And I was doing therapy and I was doing all sorts of like um, detoxes and cleanses and, mm. And then I broke my collarbone and that was just like the universe just kind of giving me a whack on the head and just saying, sit down and deal with this. Oh, stuff. wow. <laughs> I don't think I knew that part. I haven't heard that bit of story from you before. Uh, I was in Seattle. Yeah, I know. And it was just like such a, a real universal message. <laughs> no kidding, eh? Yeah. And wow. so, yeah, I decided to listen to that one because I've seen other people not listen to their messages and then they just get hit again. So yeah, good <laughs> for you. Take on the first one. Yeah. And so with that, then I just, I kind of went deeper and then I just um, started doing some work with, um, I think one of the most interesting healing ones was working with um, a somatic sex coach because for me as an artist, your, your womb is your creative center. Mm -hmm. And so I always thought I was in touch with that because I'm really creative, but then as I was doing the learning with the meditation and things, and, you know, they talk you through your body and you kind of, you know, breathe into all the different spaces. Whenever they'd go down and say, breathe into your womb space, I, I, it was just this black hole of like, I couldn't access it. I didn't feel anything. And it was just, it was more like, it wasn't that it hurt. It was almost just like, it was a void. And so, yeah. So I rang my, well, she wasn't my friend at that stage. She's become a really good friend now, but, um, I rang Nina and said, you know, is there any work that we can do around healing in this area? And so I signed up to a really big, like, eight-week program with her. And that was just astounding, like, working with, like, it's a, at a real cellular level in your body and muscle memory and all sorts of different really deep, deep work. And, yeah, just, like, remember the first couple of sessions, it was, it brought up a lot of, um, a lot of tears and, you know, sending apologies to my ovaries and for all of that area to never have used it properly and <laughs> and then after like gradually through the months um it just started like I could just feel all the healing and the cells all kind of healing and then I remember one session um it was just like burst into these amazing creative ideas and it just I the healing was so profound in my womb and it was wow yeah, I highly recommend doing that work I mean anyone to do that work anyway. what tell me again what it's called I didn't hear it clearly um, what's the, the woman's a somatic sex coach. Okay. And so it's working with, um, I guess the, the biggest part of it that worked is the vaginal mapping. And so it's like a, a massage technique where it releases all the different, um, things within like really deep inside you. So, wow. yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, you go, Oh my God, <laughs> like it sounded really intimidating and scary, but I just wanted to try any, I was willing to try anything. And yes, yeah, so I signed up and it was yeah really profound healing from that as well um Very and that cool. yeah, seemed to unleash a lot of creativity <laughs> a lot of my new artworks have come out of that work actually <laughs> neat that's great yeah that's great yeah. well I, I I have to say that I remember you know we had a few interactions um 
during that time when you yeah, were yeah yeah it was that's when I found you yeah yes. and like it was rough it was uh, it was profoundly rough I remember really thinking about you a lot and what you were going through and it was it was not easy so I I really wanted you to come onto the podcast because I since heard from you being so like having so well resolved this that I yeah. I really wanted people to be able to hear <laughs> that it's possible to come out the other end and feel really good and not to carry this heaviness and resentment with you forever. Yeah. Um, yeah, you've got to really want to do that as well. Like it's quite easy to live like in a real victim kind of place yeah. and and play the blame game and but it's like I don't want to I don't want to be that person. I want to own my stuff and work through it and learn and grow as much as I can and so yeah, I didn't want to be in that headspace. I just I couldn't feel anything. I've never experienced it before. I was just so numb. I couldn't like I live in the most beautiful place on the planet and I'd walk down the hallway and just nothing was reaching me and it was such a horrible way to feel. Well, I couldn't feel. So yeah. yeah, it was, it was quite dark. Wow. Yeah. And so what else can you say about your, your healing journey? Um, yeah. So there was a lot of, I did heaps of reading and research and like join, yeah, joining groups like yours um, and meditation, the work with Nina, I did detoxes and just went to the festivals and started really reconnecting with people. Um, but this was probably, that happened in July. And so by January, I was still feeling really triggered by things. I felt like I had, had chosen my path. Um, but I, there was still a, a, this, a lot of grief in me. And I also, I realized a bit of that grief, I mean, a lot of that grief was triggered because we had, we just had a really horrific time when, the slight like backstory actually that got me to the, I guess the breakdown part was we'd just lost three um, people in our family and friends, like a really tight unit. So we'd just mm. been grieving and grieving. And so that's what triggered the grief, the unresolved grief inside me. Mm. And so, yeah. And so I, I just, I knew there was still something in there that needed to be resolved. And I was doing some health coaching with um, a friend over in Sydney and she's like, oh, I'm doing this, doing this thing that you might be interested in trying. <laughs> and um, yeah, and so she mentioned the word ayahuasca to me in the plant medicine. And at that point, I, I have to be honest and say, I hadn't actually heard about it. And mm -hmm. then, so I Googled it and I'm like, oh, that sounds really intense. I don't, I don't know. And then a few days later, a friend got in contact to say that they were about to have a baby. And then there was another thing the next day about this. And I'm like, oh my God, this is all just like too much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going in. I don't care. This is like, I'll... yeah. So it's like a um, ayahuasca, the plant healing medicine mm -hmm. from the Amazon jungle. And you have, yeah, it's just, you, you kind of dive in and just get shown everything. And so I did a bit of research and spoke to the shaman and then booked some tickets and went. And wow. <laughs> yeah that's brave well I yeah I didn't want to be feeling like I was feeling and I wanted it's like somewhere there's this, this stuff that's really deep in me and I just I wanted to heal it or I wanted to, to be shown what it was that I need to deal with yeah yeah so that was um yeah you go into the like three nights of ceremony and it's incredibly intimidating to start with because you know you could see absolutely anything from your life and yeah you drink medicine at 8 p.m at night time 
home and well you do like a detox leading up to it too so your body's really pure and clean yeah. of anything that doesn't work with the medicine yeah um yeah like the first night was just was showing the most incredible things and and then so what you and you also get a healing during the night and a reading from the shaman and so the next morning when we all get together in group and and we we share our journeys about what we saw during the night and what we experienced um and so in that morning he gave me um feedback on the reading and it was very much along the lines of like that i have this kind of made um i'd been on the been here many times before as a mother um and I'd, i've i've done that every other time i've been here but this time it's not my path and would you stop collecting so many children and get on with your purpose <laughs> Wow. And I was like, wow, okay. And it's incredible. Like since he spoke those words to me, I it's just so in, it's in every cell in my body. And I just I know that I with my art that is it is my purpose being here. And I've through a lot of meditations I've done lots more work with that and really uncovering it and conversations with people and like friends and other art colleagues and things and I've just really done lots of writing and sketching about vision boards and things and so I've come up with this whole new kind of like path for me that is really really strong and so it's that combination of all the healing work but really understanding your purpose here wow if you don't have children I think that is a lot stronger than because a lot of mums their purpose is their children yeah and so I was really floundering around because I wasn't living to my true purpose but now I felt like I've just yeah really really gone in there and understand what I'm here for <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? And I think it's, that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing to hear that um, you've been here many times before and you've always been a mother and that's not what this time is about. So yeah. um, let, let go of that now and do the thing that you're supposed to be doing now. I mean, that's a yeah. beautiful way of, of hearing that. I think, I think that a lot of us carry um, uh, energetic messages um, you know, that from our family and from our uh, ancestors, you know, grandparents or great grandparents or whatever, um, that we're pulled in some way to um, repair things that aren't ours, yeah. you know? Yeah. And we feel it so strongly. And of course, sometimes it's really just on the level of, um, you know, that everyone around you is having this experience and it, the fact that you're not having that experience makes you it, it plays into all your feelings of inadequacy about and everything and life in general and of course it's it's a seemingly a very big piece of a human experience that it's natural to want to want yeah you know to want to have that experience but um you know people have also other purpose mm. yeah i think like in that side of it it's the definitely the thing that i'm really aware that i missed out on is just that pure i mean all of the feelings of growing a baby inside of you and yeah. that that intense connection that you'll do utterly anything for that human being that you've created and like that's massive love that i'd never get to experience but um one of my friends when i wrote out my email um he said to me it's like that maybe the fact that you haven't got children, you, if you'd had children, you would have poured all of your love onto, onto your children. Whereas instead now, we all get to experience your, the mm. amount of love you get to give. And so I can share that with so many more people because 
kids do suck up a lot of love. They sure do. <laughs> so now I get, you know, I, I can expand my life even more and I've got all these amazing children that have come into my world who are like yeah. my children, my tribe, and like lots of really incredible special wee humans who are now like a lot fewer than the young adults. And yeah, so you get to expand that love with more and share it with more people. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah. How wonderful. Well, thank you so much for doing this for us. I, I think that your story is a lovely one and I hope that it can help some other women who are, you know, in a stuck place where you were to hear that there's, yeah. you know, definitely there's a way out and you have such a, a lot of brightness about you that it's wonderful to see. Yeah, it's so good to have it back. <laughs> yeah, no it was kidding. Really hard not having it. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah. So I feel really amazing now, and I just wonderful. Yes, that unleashed a new art range that's come out of out of my healing process. So it's gonna be really fascinating. Wonderful. Well, thanks yeah. again so much, Sonia. I really appreciate you I being here. You're welcome. Thank you. And thank you for everything you're doing with the Facebook page too to hold space for us. It means a lot. Thank you. I can't even tell you how happy I was to have this conversation with Sonia. When I spoke with her a year ago, I couldn't imagine how it was all going to play out. But she was so determined not to let this problem hijack her whole life. She allowed herself to be vulnerable, to speak openly about her pain, and to reach out for help in every direction. I think that by the time she sought out a shaman to guide her through a ritual of self-discovery, she had already prepared herself to see what she needed to see. It might look like an overnight transformation, but it was many months in the making, starting from when she wrote her blog post and then reached out to meet other childless stepmoms in my Facebook group. I hope you'll read Sonia's blog, by the way. You can find it at sonyarichter.com. I'll put the link in the notes for this episode. That blog post was written long before she knew what her happy ending was going to be. None of us know what our happy ending is going to look like, and maybe happy ending isn't the right term. But it's great when we can get unstuck and back in the flow. When we can let go of something that's coloring our whole experience of life and see it for what it is. When we can grow to a place where we have a better grasp of what life is about and where we can stand with total confidence in the world, not dependent on anything or anyone outside ourselves. I think that being a stepmother is nature's way of pushing us to grow. I think it's the ones who are open to growing that make it that beat the statistics and get to experience a joyful family life. I think that the failure rate of step families speaks to the number of people who aren't interested in cracking open their whole being and taking a chance on becoming someone new, that better version of yourself that can become yet a better version again, and on and on. You are a work in progress. Never forget that. it for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to rate or review us on iTunes. 
that's the very best way you can help other high-performing, alternative-thinking stepmoms to stumble onto this show and discover a community of like-minded listeners around the world. According to Anchor.fm, the platform I'm recording on, we're being heard now in 29 countries. I find that really exciting. If you're a social media kind of person, you're welcome to join my Facebook community by sending a join request to The Spectacular Stepmom. If you'd rather just get a more intimate weekly email from me, send me a message with the subject line weekly email to info at essentialstepmom.com. Finally, I'd love to hear from you with questions or comments or situations you'd like me to address on this podcast. You can leave a voice message right here or send anything to my personal and confidential email address, info at essentialstepmom.com. That's info at essentialstepmom.com. See you next week.